I want to start out this morning by telling y'all, um, uh, a lot of y'all know that we had a group last, uh, that left actually yesterday afternoon from here, from our church, 16 people to go to Guatemala uh, to build a house with Casas Por Cristo, an organization that we partner with. And uh, so they made it. Uh, a couple of our staff members, uh, Mike, who's our missions minister, and uh, Taylor, one of our children's ministers, and Isaiah, our student minister, they went. So uh, Isaiah texted me last night and said, hey, we got there safe, and here's who's teaching Sunday school, and kind of give me an update. And I said, so y'all are doing good? He goes, yeah, we're doing good. But here's what I know about what they're going to do, because I've been on this trip, um, not only in Guatemala, but I've done it a few times in, in Mexico as well. Well, so I know what they're doing today is they're laying the foundation for this house, and this is so important. So when they go to their site, they're meeting with uh, some of the people from the church in that area. They're meeting with the family that they're building for. They're getting to know them and know their kids and uh, other people in the neighborhood. And there's a big stack of lumber off to the side. And there's going to be some people who are going to take tape measures and pencils and squares. And they're going to be marking these boards for the, uh, to, so somebody else can start cutting them with a chop saw. And uh, then we got another group who's actually going right where the site is, and they're going to take manual tools, and some of y'all may not know what those are, uh, but they're like shovels and hoes and picks, and they're starting to dig the foundation out for this house and you know, make some, uh, uh, some preparations for that. And it's hard work, you know, digging the footers and getting that ready, and so they're going to be working on that, and then along... Sometime this afternoon, probably they're going to have a concrete truck who's going to come and start pouring that concrete in the box and the foundation box and the footers and pouring those and getting that house ready. And it's so important, as you know, to have that foundation laid because while they're doing all that, there's another group that's cutting those boards. And you know what they're starting to do? They're starting to form the walls up. And so by the next, by tomorrow morning, they're going to be ready to start standing those walls up and actually building this house. And so I say that for a reason, not just to let you know what they're doing on this mission trip. But that foundation is so important because if that's not right, y'all know the rest of the building, the rest of this house is not going to be right. And so for the last few weeks, we've been going through this letter that Paul wrote um, to the folks in a place called Colossae, the Colossian people. And they're new Christians, they're new followers of Jesus. There's some Jewish people who have a lot of traditional Jewish background, but there's also a lot of Gentile people who have a lot of different type of uh, religious or faith backgrounds, and they've become followers of Christ. And Paul, as I've been saying, he's in prison when he writes this letter, and he's saying, hey, some of y'all are getting off track. And Epaphras, which is a guy from that church, comes and meets with Paul in the prison and says, hey, let me just tell you about something that's going on in our church there. Here's some of the things that are happening. There's these philosophies and there's these things that are coming around and our people are hearing them and they're getting a little bit off track. How can we help them? And Paul says, well, I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to remind them about the foundation of what they need to know in Christ. Because some of the stuff that's coming in their culture, some of the stuff that they're hearing is getting them a little off track, just like it does in our own culture and in our own lives sometimes. So I'm going to kind of do a little bit of an overview of what we've been talking about in the, in the letter that he's written to uh, the Colossian people. First of all, from the very beginning we talked about, Paul says, hey, I'm praying for you. He starts off the letter, I'm praying for y'all because I want you to know the will of God in your lives. We, you know, and those people want to know that. Don't you want to know the will of God? I do. I want to know specifically what God wants me to do with my life, the plan he has. So I'm praying that that will be clear to you, that God will reveal that to you. Then he says, I want you to understand, you need to know the foundational, under, have a foundational understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And he really is God in the flesh. He was. He, in, uh, in him, all the fullness of God dwells in him. And then he reminds them, he says, but you've been reconciled. You were 
Take, you, were, uh, you, know, you had distanced yourself from God through your sin, but you have been reconciled through Christ. And he says, now you're presented, if you remember we talked about a few weeks ago, you're holy, you're without accusation, and without blemish in God's eyes now. No matter how much sin you think you've had, God doesn't look at you that anymore. He has died for you, He has risen for you, and now you are without blemish. You're holy, you're free from accusation in His sight. And Paul says, I'm struggling. I'm struggling here in prison. I wish I were out. I wish I could come visit you face to face, but I'm going to write you a letter instead. But you know what? The struggles I'm going through, you're worth it. If I can get the message to you that you are valuable in Christ and that He, in Christ you are the hope of glory. And he says this over and over again in this text, in this letter, I mean, in Christ. In Christ, you'll hear it over and over again. He's reminding everybody how important it is to be in Christ. He says, all this stuff I'm going through in jail, it's worth it so that you will understand who you are in Christ, the hope of glory. And then he says, hey, don't be deceived. You remember we talked about this one week? Don't be deceived by fine-sounding arguments that are going around in your culture. You're going to hear people say that Jesus really wasn't the Son of God. You're going to hear that Jesus really didn't die, that you know maybe he just fainted. He really didn't rise from the dead. You're going to hear all these different kind of things in your culture. And you're going to hear all these different philosophies that Christ is not enough. He says, man, don't believe that. Don't be deceived by that. That is not true. So Paul is trying to lay a foundation from them and remind them of what's important. And last week, as you remember, we talked about Paul says, hey, you were dead in your sins. You were dead in what they call in, the, uh, in that old language, that your transgressions. You have, you know, you've gone against God. You've rebelled against God and you were dead. But now you've been made alive in Jesus Christ. And we talked about baptism, how symbolic that is. So you bury the old self. The old Craig, the old way I used to do things all my own way. I was in control of my life, and now I've been resurrected, and now Christ lives in me. I'm still Craig. I'm still the unique personality that God has made me, but now Christ lives in me. I'm a new person. And he said, Christ has canceled our charge of legal indebtedness, and he nailed it to the cross. And that's the greatest news we can hear, isn't it? That God doesn't hold our sins against us. People do, don't they? We can hold our own sins. And let me tell you, you need to hear that today. If you are holding your own sin against you today, that's a tough, dark place to be in. And that's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to hold on to that sin. But let me tell you, you just said great is our God. The God that we just said is great. He says your sin does not separate you anymore. It's not counted against you, and that's the voice you need to hear loud and clear today. That's so important. So he's laid a foundation for these Colossian people. He's laid a foundation for us when we read this letter that, hey, remember who you are in Christ. Remember your identity. So that leads us to today's part of the letter, which starts with, therefore. Therefore, I've set you all this groundwork. I've set this foundation about who you are, who you were, but now who you are now in Christ. You're a new creation. You're a new person. And Christ lives in you, and things are different. But don't get caught up in all this stuff in the world. Listen, so he says, therefore, and that's when we're going to go into our text today, which is chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. And I believe that's going to be on the screen. There it is. Thank you all. So listen to what he says carefully. Whenever you hear that word, therefore, he's taken off all this foundation he's laid. Therefore, because you have that foundation, here's where we're going to go. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found 
in Christ. There it is again. He says it all the time in this letter. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So let's unpack that a little bit. Again, therefore, he says, the first thing he says is don't let anyone, don't let a person, and this is usually what happens in our lives. I believe it was happening in this church. It was happening in this group of believers. Um, But there was some people getting in there and trying to make people feel, you know what, they weren't good enough. Yeah, you become a Christ follower, but there's some other things you need to do. And he says, don't let anyone judge you, but you've been eating this, or you've been drinking this, or you've been missing this religious festival, or this traditional thing. So you're really not in in good standing with God. And people are like, is that true? I thought all that stuff was you know, part of the old covenant. I didn't have to keep up with all that. Why, why are people telling me this? And he says, don't let anyone judge you by that. Now, we may not understand that. We may not understand that in our culture, but there were certain things that were going on in that culture by the what you ate and what you drank, and it, it would have an effect. And so Paul talks about this in the letter he wrote to the Romans. He, he said it in the book to the Ephesians. He says in lots of his letters, he's going, hey, you need to be careful that you don't be a stumbling block for someone, you know, But you don't need to let someone else who's judging you control your life. Do y'all like it when someone judges you? Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that someone is judging me. We don't like that feeling at all. And and Paul's saying, don't let anyone judge you by these things. They're these old type of things. And listen to what he says about them. He says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. But the reality is, there's those two words again, is in Christ. These were shadows. The law is important to a certain extent. That helped point us to who God is and, and how you know, it's important to have laws. It's important to have boundaries. But ultimately, he says, this is throwing you off, of course. These are a shadow of the things. These, all these rules, these religious and traditional external things, they're only a shadow. So when you see, if I see my shadow up here, there it is right there. Is that me? No, that's not me. That's my shadow. If I kick that shadow, is it going to hurt? No, it's not going to hurt because it's not really me. But it is a a picture of who I am. It's a shadow, but it's really not me. And he's saying, hey, the law is not who you are. All these religious things that are external that you're doing, that's not really who you are. The reality is found in Jesus Christ. And he says those things were a shadow of the things that were to come. But now that Christ has come, he has come in the flesh. You know, Jesus, God in the flesh, he came to earth and he lived and he died and he resurrected for you. Now things are different. You have a new covenant now. Now your identity, it's not in how many rules you can keep and hope you get to heaven. Your identity is in Christ who has already made the way for you. Your purpose, your reality is in Christ. It's not in shadows of the old covenant and these external things that they had to do. Do you know that um, between the law of Moses and when Jesus uh, um, was actually on the earth. You know that they had added some 600 laws 
to the Jewish laws. Some 600. Can you imagine trying to keep up with all of that? I mean, how, how distressed you would be like, man, I don't, I don't even know how to live because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break a rule and I'm going to have to go you know, take the farm down there and, and sacrifice it. That's the way it was for these people. He said, hey, those were only shadows of what was to come. And now that we have Christ, we don't need that old system anymore. And Jesus was aware of this, about these external things. And Jesus says, look, it's not about external things. You can do all the external things you want to do. That may look good on the outside, but Jesus wants there to be something new inside of you. He cares about what is inside of you. That is what really matters. And remember we talked about, he wants to take that heart of stone. Because when you get into that, those religious practices, you know what? We can start checking those things off the box. I did it. I did it. I prayed today. I read my Bible today. I said this today, I did this today, I went, you know, whatever. We can do all those things, but after a while, if it's just checking things off a box and there's, we're really not into it, it's just external things so people can say, hey, they saw me in church today, they saw me singing loud, they saw me drop my check in the plate, they saw all these external things. You can do all that stuff, but God's saying there's something that has to be coming from the heart. I want to, because when we just check things off a box, you know what happens to our heart? It becomes stone, doesn't it? And he says, I want to take away that heart of stone. That's the way the people in the Old Testament were. That's why there was this cycle in the Old Testament. They were great with God, then they got away from God. The prophet says, you're away from God, you better get back. Oh, God will always protect us, we don't have to worry about that. Then there was some calamity that would come, and they'd say, oh God, we're so sorry, please let us back in your graces. And this cycle would go on and on in the Old Testament. It didn't work. They couldn't follow the law. Because their hearts had become stone. They would do all the external things, but nothing changed internally until Christ came. And that was God's plan all along. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 15 as he talks about this in his culture, in his time. This is a little bit before Paul, but not just a, just a few years. Listen to what he says. So he's quoting from Isaiah as the Pharisees are coming and saying, Hey, Jesus, why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? And Jesus goes, really? Are y'all really worried about that? I know, you're heart of stone. You don't really care about that. You don't care that their hands are really clean, but you're just making sure they didn't check the box off like you did. And listen to what he says. He goes, I'm quoting from Isaiah, and he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Jesus did not care. He says, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. He's talking about the Pharisees. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. It was all about the external. And Peter said, Explain the parable to us. And this is funny to me what Jesus says. Are you still so dull? Now, we laugh at that because Jesus like, y'all don't get it? Because he would say that to me, Craig, you don't get it? You're still trying to check boxes and do the external things when what really matters is what's inside. Listen, he says, are you so dull? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? That's biology, simple, Jesus. Y'all know this. But he said, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So, so Paul is, is echoing what Jesus is saying. He goes, all those outward signs, you may be doing all those things, but Jesus knew their hearts. 
Your hearts are stone. All you're doing is checking off boxes. You don't really have this relationship. It's all about the religion. And God wants the relationship with you. And he says, those things don't make you righteous before God. Jesus has made us righteous before God. And he changes us from the inside out. And yes, he wants to see an outward change in us. But it starts from the inside, not just doing things on the outside that make us look like we're doing something different in our lives. He wants to change our heart. And I go back to this. When we did Football Sunday a few weeks ago, and I keep mentioning this guy, but his, his testimony really, really affected me. Demario Davis for the Saints. He says... You know, I asked God to give me this new heart. I needed a new heart. And he said, the Lord, listen to what he said, the Lord. Now, DeMario is a very disciplined athlete to get to the level he is in the NFL and be a starter and a linebacker. He has to watch plays. He has to work out. He has to watch what he eats. All those things, very disciplined guy. So he has the ability to know how to be disciplined to stop things. But he says, you know what? I couldn't get that taste for alcohol. That was a problem in my life. He said, but the Lord... When I became a Christian and changed my heart, the Lord inside of me took that taste of alcohol away. He goes, I was still smoking pot even after that. But God, the Lord, took that away from me. And I was in an impure relationship, and the Lord took that away. And this really hit me because what he's saying is, is if I could do it on my own, it would be about me. If I could manage my own behavior apart from Christ, then I would be okay and I wouldn't need Christ. But I understand, and this is what we do. We try to manage our own behavior, don't we? You go, man, I'm I'm in this mess. I'm doing something. I keep doing the same thing. i got to stop. But I'm going to stop. This time I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do this again. You know how we do? And we're going to do it. We're going to have enough self-discipline. We're going to have enough inside of us to stop doing this. But if we could do it on our own, then we'd become prideful about that. (laughs) Yeah, i got the self-discipline. Ah, Jesus, that's okay. I don't need you because I can do this. I have the self-discipline. I can do it on my own. And then all of a sudden, instead of Jesus being inside us, we have this pride. We have this self-discipline that's mine. And we become arrogant. We become judgmental. We become self-righteous. Because I'm righteous in myself because I can get rid of these things by myself. I don't need God. And that's exactly what was happening with the religious leaders in Jesus' time. They had become arrogant. They could follow everything outwardly, but inside there was this jealousy and this hatred towards people. They didn't want people to come to God. They wanted to keep people out of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, what in the world? What in the world are you doing? You're supposed to be bringing people to God. And Paul said, that's what I was. I was one of those Pharisees. I was one of the ones that was going house to house and saying, you don't need to know God. We're going to arrest you. You don't need to talk about this Jesus. You're not checking all the boxes off. You're not doing all the outward things. And then Paul was struck down and God did something. He transformed him from the inside. Paul, what are you doing? I'm Jesus Christ. You're not only persecuting my children, you're persecuting me. Persecuting me when you do that. And Paul realized that, hey, I need to have God in my life. I thought I did by checking off all the external things, but he wasn't doing anything inside of me. There was so much anger and hatred inside of me. I was keeping people out of the kingdom of God. But he was transformed and his heart became new. And so when those people or we, when we try to get our needs met, Anywhere else but from God, we're going to have problems. Now, we try to do it all the time. We look for our identity in all kind of other things besides God. We try to find them in people or in things. But ultimately, those things that we try to find our identity in will leave us empty. They will betray us. And you say, well, hey, wait a minute. My, my family, my friends are not going to betray me. Give them long enough. They will. And I'm not ragging on your family. I'm just saying that's the reality is when we put our whole identity into 
people or into things, those ultimately going to uh, let us down. And ultimately, they cannot save you. They may love you, but they can't save you. But that's why he says we have to be in Christ. We have to understand that. And I want you to, especially you young people, I want to think about right now, what are some things you are looking for or actually doing to find or project your identity? We find all kinds of things that we look at. I'm going to be that. I want to be this. And I want people to think that. That's why we project all these things on Facebook and our Twitter accounts. All that kind of stuff that we do. We're proje- what are we projecting? Real stuff? Do you have anybody who goes, hey, look how filthy and nasty my house is. Does anybody ever put that out? Hey, here, here, we, are on, here we are on vacation fighting in the car because we can't decide where to eat. Does anybody Twitter? Isn't that funny? Isn't that great? Do we ever project that kind of stuff? Hey, here I am, and look, look, look at me. I'm, I made a mess of my garage. Look at that. Hey, here's my office at my work, and here, here I am fighting with my coworkers. Isn't that great? We never project that. What do we project? Something that we want everybody to think we're cool, that everything's we've got it all together. And I'm not saying that's wrong, y'all, but we know that's how it is. And Paul, Paul's saying even in this, even in your culture, 20 centuries later, there's going to be people who are trying to find their identity or project themselves into something that they're really not. Is that really you? And is that thing you're trying to project yourself? Are you really find fulfillment and fulfillment in that? Is what you're projecting authentic, or is it like Paul says, is it just a shadow? Is it just a mask you're using, but that's not really who you are? And Paul goes on in verse 18. Listen to what he says. He said, do not let anyone who delights in false humility, he uses that again, and the worship of angels. And again, this is something that was going on specific in that culture. There were these really religious people who knew the names of all the angels, and they would worship these angels, and they kind of were at a varsity level of spirituality. And if you came and walked through there, and they go, oh, oh, you don't worship angels? Well, you're not in the cool club then. That's no, you're not, you're not as spiritual as we are. And people were going, what, am I supposed to worship angels? I thought he said, I'm in Christ. I don't think I need all that. And Paul's going, exactly, don't listen to that. It's false humility. They're trying to project themselves as something that they're not. They're trying to disqualify you. He said, don't let them disqualify you. And we do that sometimes. We let people every day of our lives try to disqualify us from who we really are in Christ, don't we? We let, sometimes it's our spouse, sometimes it's our parents, sometimes it's our kids, sometimes it's a co-worker, sometimes it's a friend. We try to let what somebody said get to us so much and say, oh, I guess I'm a horrible person. You ever had that comment back to somebody? Well, I'm just a horrible person then. We say that in arguments, don't we? We don't really believe that, but we do. We've been made to feel like that because we forget who we really are in Christ. And Paul is saying, don't let people disqualify you. You have been qualified. You remember what we talked about last week? Not by external actions you've been qualified, but through what? Through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and through his resurrection. Now we are qualified, not disqualified. Jesus, by what he did, I'm accepted now. I am in God's kingdom. I am a part of his family. I am adopted. I'm accepted. And it has to do with nothing I've done externally, but accepting him and what he did for me internally. That's where we are in Christ. That's how he transforms us. And externally, that begins to show who you really are on the outside. But it's a process. God wants us to change on the outside. He wants us to to see a, a difference in us on the outside. But that starts internally and authentically loving like Jesus did. And that means loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when he said, when they asked him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord your God 
with all your mind, heart, and strength. And the second is like it. He's saying those two are really one. Love God and love people. And if we love God and we check all the boxes and we do all the external things to show we love God, but we're not loving our neighbor, we're not loving our spouse, we're not loving our kids, we're not loving our coworkers, we're not really being who God's called us to be. We have to do both. And he's saying, don't let people disqualify you. And y'all know, there's some of you sitting here today that maybe it's been a while since you've been back in church because somebody in a church made you feel like you weren't qualified enough to be in church. You weren't good enough. And you said, I'm not going back to church again because of something that happened in the church. And I want to say I'm sorry because that does happen, doesn't it? We do that sometimes. Throughout the history of the church, as great as the bride of Christ is, we have, there have been some people within the body of Christ who have tried to disqualify people and make them think they weren't qualified. But what did we talk about last week? We had a debt that we couldn't pay. And what did Jesus do? He says, it's paid in full. You are now an adopted child of God. You're a son, you're a daughter of God's kingdom now. Don't worry about that. That debt has been paid in full. It's never going to come up again. That's the truth of the gospel. So don't let anybody disqualify you. And you know what? In the church, what are we supposed to be doing? Are we supposed to be trying to disqualify people and keep them out? Heck no. We're supposed to be qualifying people saying, you are loved, you are accepted. God has has died for you through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are now qualified. Well, I I don't think I can get that qualified. No, you don't have to get it. That's the whole point. None of us really qualify for it. But we get it anyway. That's the good news of the gospel. And so Jesus says, You died with Christ to the basic principles, verse 20, of this world. And the basic principles of this world says, You know what? It's all about me and projecting me. He says, Wait a minute. Die to that. When you get into that cycle where you're putting this stuff on the outside of who you are and it's really not you, that's going to break down eventually. It's not sustainable. Why do you submit to that old way of life based on human commands and teachings? That's destined to perish, he says. It's not sustainable. He says these people have the appearance of self-imposed worship, false humility, and a harsh treatment of the bodies. There was a group called the Essenes in this time. And they were like a group of monks. And they moved out into the desert. And they lived out there. And, you know, I think they lived on stuff like uh, John the Baptist, his locust and wild honey. And they did all these super spiritual things. And they got away from all the people. And they prayed all the time. And they even would... uh, physically beat themselves and somehow thought that was bringing glory to God by beating on themselves. And Paul's going, what in the world? That's religion again. That's all these outward things. That's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to be among the people. And he says that they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. And sometimes we try to... Have you ever heard of a preacher or a politician or anybody who goes on and on and on about one certain sin? Have you ever heard somebody do that? And how many times, y'all, have we heard when some of that that politician or that preacher, whoever it is, goes on and on about that sin, what do we find out later? That was the sin that that person was caught up in in their own. They thought by talking about it, this outward appearance of how awful it is and all that stuff, that would keep me from that, that sensual indulgence. But it doesn't, does it? You have to be changed from the inside by your heart. How many of y'all have seen that, that uh, BBC British TV show called Keeping Up Appearances? How many of y'all have ever seen that? Okay, there's a few of y'all have. If you haven't, <laughs> Allison, you can tell me if this is right, because I'm getting ready to use a word that I probably shouldn't use in church, but I'm going to, a description. Um, but anyway, in this, I love to watch it because it's so funny. So it's this, um, this British family, and this lady's kind of, she wants to be high society, okay? But her family's got a bunch of goofballs in it, okay? And they're not, 
Okay, they are, sorry, Allison, I don't, know the, I don't know what the word is in Britain, but it's white trash, okay? They're just white trash, all right? And so, so she's always trying to get them to not be white trash in front of her friends, in front of her neighbors, to keep up appearances. It's hilarious. Google it. It's, it's on. You can watch it. It's hilarious. And it's so funny because she's got this brother who's just this loser who, I mean, he just, he doesn't care. And she tries to get him to go to some party or family thing. And she's like, no, you've got to dress properly and you've got to do this. And she gets all bent and they're like, okay, whatever. And, but she can't get it out of them because inside they haven't changed. That's who they are. They're just white trash. And they're okay with that. That's who they are. But she doesn't want to be white trash, but she really is. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So I love that show because it gives a perfect illustration of what Paul's saying. All this stuff we do on the outside to keep up some sort of an appearance so others won't judge us or disqualify us. He's saying, why in the world are you doing that? I thought we went ahead and got, we're clear on that. Jesus has given us a new life. And once we've been out of that, when we don't worry about judging people judging us, guess what? Then I'm not judging you anymore. I'm not trying to put qualifications on you that I can't keep because I know we neither one of us can keep them. Let's just be who we are in Christ and move forward to the maturity that he's called us to be. And so Paul is saying, you died to that old way of life about trying to keep all the rules. Why do you keep living in that? Why do you keep living in the shadows? You have found the reality in Christ. Now live like it for crying out loud. Live like it. And so today I ask you this. Maybe you're weary of trying to keep up an appearance. It's exhausting, isn't it? It's exhausting. It's disappointing and it's empty living that way. It's it's, it's coming out of the shadows. God says, come out of those shadows and come to the reality in Christ of who you really are in Christ. You're authentically loved for who you are. Remember what I said last week? While we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for us. Not when we started coming to church and started doing a Bible study and read our Bible app every day and got a fish on our car and all that stuff. No. While you were still sinners, while you were white trash sinner, God saved you. And made you a child of the King. Authentically loved right where you are. That's true freedom in Christ. That is true freedom in Christ. And that's what he wants us to experience. And that's what he's telling this group of people in this church. Saying, hey, don't go back to that old way. It's empty. It's, it's just, it just clamps down on you and, and have this freedom. So today we're gonna, I'm going to offer an invitation as I, as I always do. Maybe there's somebody here today and you're hearing that. And you go, yeah, I'm tired of being judged. I'm tired of people trying to disqualify me. And, I, and you've heard the gospel message today that God loves you right where you are and He wants you to be authentically the person that He's created you to be. But you can only do that in Christ. Not by your own self-discipline, not by joining a church, but by allowing Christ to come into your life and transform you from the inside out. And it'll take a while, but He'll start changing things on the outside and people will notice that you're a different person. And so if anybody needs to make that decision today, we give you that opportunity to accept that today, maybe for the first time. Or if you're looking for a church, we are not perfect. We don't have all the answers, but we together want to become a, a group of people that qualifies, constantly is qualifying, letting people know you're qualified to be a part of the kingdom of God. Come join us and be a part of that.